Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are doing well. This is the Monday of Quinquagesima week. The whole season of Septuagesima is the season prior to Lent. Septuagesima is seven weeks before Easter, then Sexagesima, six weeks. And now yesterday was Quinquagesima Sunday, um, which is five weeks away from Easter and three days a week away from Lent. So we have, um, in my mind, uh, maybe the most magnificent season before us. And the reason that I think it's so great personally and love it so much is that for all we've done the entire year, we get to walk with our Savior through his... Uh, 40-day wilderness, um, suffering and temptation. We get to um, grow up and um, truly live for Christ by consoling Him in the desert and walking with Him. Many of you got the email that I sent out a week or so ago from uh, Michael Matt, Remnant TV. Uh, Michael said that... um, we are the reason that this whole globalism and great reset is is upon us. Now, I'm not I'm not saying Satan doesn't exist and that it's not his plan. It is, but the fact is, we've been apathetic. We've hardly lived our Catholic faith. We have not lived as soldiers of Christ. We have uh, gone about our business. We've not spread the gospel in the world. We have become, we're in the world and of it rather than in the world and not of it. And we've taken our Catholic faith for granted. And when things get rough, we protect ourselves. And um, when I say we, it's, it's the whole people of God with few exceptions. And this Lent, we have a, an opportunity to man up and to become holy. Uh, to be holy is not to be perfect. It is to be set apart from God, uh, rather, pardon me, set apart from the world, to God, which is what happens at our baptism. At our baptism, dear ones, we become saints. I've repeated the statement of my uh, Protestant pastor um, often. He said, there's two people in the world, the saints and the ain'ts. (laughs) He's very right. Um, He doesn't believe that baptism makes us a new creation. He thinks it only gets us wet. But it does make us a new creation in Christ. Uh, Whether we're a day old or a minute old or a hundred years old, original sin is removed from us and the very life of God is put in us with all the gifts. All the gifts that we receive at confirmation is simply the full measure of gifts we have received at baptism because God doesn't come in parts. And... We have an opportunity now, beloved, to truly walk with God, to fast not only from food, but from lack of virtue, from anger, from sin, from everything that separates us from God, 
that um, uh, uh, let me just say uh, that does not allow us to live our vocation as wives, as husbands, as children, um, as families, even as individuals. So Lent to me is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. What we do here at the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, in following the rule of St. Benedict, um, his rule says that every sister or monk needs to choose a book that he or she will read thoroughly uh, through Lent. Not skim, uh, but thoroughly read, bask in, uh, through the Lenten season. It could be more than one book, but one book at a time and needs to be pr- uh, approved by the prioress um, or the abbot in, in the case of an abbey um, and um, in the case of a men's order. But in women's order, we are a priory and I'm the prioress. Uh, other non-Benedictine um, communities use the word superior. It, it's the same thing. Instead of a convent, we're a priory. Instead of a superior, I'm a prioress. Um, and each one of the sisters needs to bring the book to me that they've chosen for me to approve it for them and also write down on paper the penances they are going to practice through the Lenten season. This way I can judge whether they are good for the individual's growth, whether they are too harsh, uh, whether they are enough, whether they are pertinent to the growth that that particular person needs. So I'm going to suggest, dear parents, that you do the same with your children, that you... uh, Ask them to bring you a book that they will read through Lent. It could be a children's book if they're a child. But if they can begin to read, even in pictures, let them put a book before them. I lay all the books that are uh, choices out on a table. And the sisters pick one of them. And if they have another book that's not on the table, they can certainly choose that if it's approved. Um, the same thing with your children. Uh, let them pick a good book to read during Lent. Um, if you don't have such things, uh, go to a Catholic bookstore quickly and get them. Um, or go on a Catholic bookstore website or even Amazon and order them and you'll have them in a few days. Um, and then let them take a piece of paper from the school book or whatever you give them and let them write down the penances that they will keep. Uh, they must, you must fast on uh, uh, Wednesday and Friday this week, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And those are both days of abstinence as well from meat. And the church's law of fast is only one meal a day with two other you can call them meals that that don't equal together one meal. I don't know if that's official canon law, but that's the the very very minimum to do. The very very minimum, and it's children age fourteen up to adults uh, age fifty nine. So younger than fourteen, there's no need to fast. Uh, over fifty nine, there's no need to fast either. Um, I've mentioned in the past that when I grew up in my Jewish home and we fasted on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, our fast was not Catholic fast. I think we're wimps. Uh, Our fast was uh, refraining from all food and only water if absolutely needed. No coffee, no food, no drink, water if absolutely needed. And I was young. I don't know how old I was at the time, but not very old, under 10, and I cried. 
Mommy, I want to fast. And she said, no, you're too young. And I, I fought it. I said, no, I want to fast, too. I'm Jewish. I want to fast. I want to make atonement. You know, I, it, I don't think there's anything wrong with letting children fast. Um, if someone says, well, I don't have to fast till I'm 14 next year, um, that's legitimate. But they have not been raised to truly uh, live their Catholic faith and to love God. They see it as a penance rather than as a way to enter into greater love for him. So for me, to go through the wilderness journey with Jesus, and you know that it was our Lord who sent Jesus into the wilderness, not Satan. Jesus came up out of the Jordan. Um, he appeared in the Jordan for the first time. That was his first public appearance. And John the Baptist, who was his six-month-old cousin, was baptizing the Jewish people in the Jordan. It wasn't a baptism of salvation because there was no um, sacraments until heaven was opened after our Lord's resurrection. But it was a baptism of repentance. And God honored that for those who obeyed him. And there came into the Jordan Jesus, the one without sin. And John the Baptist looked at him and said, no, no, I can't baptize you. I have need to be baptized by you. And our Lord said, permit it this time, permit it to fulfill all righteousness. You baptize me, John. I was born under the law and I will fulfill it perfectly. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And John baptized, John the Baptist baptized um, our Lord in the Jordan. And when he came up from the Jordan, and you know that the voice of God came down from the heavens. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And you know who was lurking around that Jordan. It was Satan himself. And it's been it's said in homilies and different books uh, that Satan wasn't sure it was him. And so um, Satan heard that and he said, oh, this is him, huh? This is the one who's going to redeem the world. This is the one who's going to reverse the curse. This is the one who supposedly is going to crush my head. Forget that one. So Jesus came out of the Jordan and the um, scriptures say that the Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness. His first task was to spend 40 days suffering. 40 days uh, in reparation for mankind's sin, in reparation for Israel's 40 years in the desert because of their disobedience. And Satan followed him into that desert and tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights, as you know. Um, his first task was to suffer for those he would redeem. Um, beloved, if you've never spent 40 days walking with our Lord through the wilderness, this is the Lent to do it. Let it be life-changing for you. Let Allow yourself to develop a relationship with our Lord, who loves you more than any human being can or ever will. Let him help you to walk closely with him as you never have before. Beloved, we'll be right back after the break and we'll take your calls and emails after the second break. 
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. My name is Nathan Wigfield, Executive Director of the St. Thomas More House of Prayer, a Catholic retreat center in Cranberry, Pennsylvania, with the mission of praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours. Our goal is to help people experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change their life. The Catholic Church teaches us that the Liturgy of the Hours is the prayer that Christ Himself, together with His body, addresses to the Father and that its purpose is to sanctify each day in the whole range of human activity. That means every time we pray this prayer, our relationship with Christ is deepened, we are united to the faithful of every time and place, and our entire day and work are made holy unto the Lord. To learn more about the prayer of the Church, please visit liturgyofthehours.org or call our retreat center at 814 676 1910. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am Mother Miriam, and I am live, and I am privileged and thrilled to be with you. We will take your calls and your emails after the next break, and we'll have a whole half hour to ourselves. We've been talking about this Wednesday, which is Ash Wednesday, when Lent begins, and so many Catholics, when I came into the church, and I came in in 1995, so I'm in, I guess, 18 years now, um, is that right? 95, 50, yep, 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 18 years. Um, and I, I heard Catholics say, oh, it's Lent, I have to give something up, and they think of coffee or chocolate or um, dessert or something like that. This is fine. This is absolutely fine. But we need to give up sin, and we need to give up apathy, um, and we need to know our faith. So one thing you can, as a family, decide together to give up for the all of Lent. If you have a TV, I wish you'd throw it out, actually. Um, we do have a TV, but it's not connected. We use it only for DVDs, for videos. It's the only reason we put it on. Um, we can use it also for internet business, but we don't have a TV. That No, that's our computer, rather. No, but we... the. the uh, no, we don't have a TV. That's right. We don't. But we, we can use our computer for DVDs. So that's it. Um, we have a computer. 
um, make a family resolution to give up TV. In fact, I wish she'd give it away or throw it out. But, um, uh, but at least for Lent, see that you'll survive without such pleasure, such recreation, such being in the world and of it. Even if you watch good Catholic programs, that's okay. But you're not really exercising your mind very much. It's still a form of entertainment you should raise yourself to a higher form of entertainment and read. It would be wonderful. This uh, Lent, Papa or Mama, if you would get the Catechism Explained that I've talked about many times, it's the Catechism of, of Trent Explained. So you read, it's almost a, if you had a teacher taking you through the Baltimore Catechism, that's what it's like. It's, it's a wonderful book. And you, how do you eat an elephant? They say one bite at a time. That's it, one paragraph at a time. Sit down as a family. Unplug the TV. Put a beautiful lace cloth over it. And sit as a family every night. Dear Papa, come home from work. Gather your family and sit down and read the catechism together and learn your faith. You will be living your vocation. You will be pleasing God. And it will be difficult for you, maybe, or some of the children. That's okay. It wasn't easy for Jesus in the wilderness. It's a very little sacrifice to make. But he died to give us the faith. And we should live to please him. We've been reading ourselves with you through the Catechism Explained. We're on Section 5 now, which is the Christian faith. And Point 4 I'll complete that. We started it yesterday. Is the Christian faith comprises all the doctrines of the Catholic faith. So there, dear parents, you want to know what to believe. What There's so much. There's so much. What do you teach your children? Where do you start? Go get this one book. One book. And commit to read it right from the beginning through Lent. You won't go through it the whole of Lent, even 40 days. You will not go through it because you want to dialogue with your family, talk back and forth, and say, you know, you let your children say, but why is that and why is that? Then you'll read the explanation. And if they ask you, in the book, and if they ask you questions you can't understand, the answer is, sweetheart, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know everything. But the church does. And if we trust that the church is the church our Lord established, who promised to lead it into all truth till the end of time, we can trust what the church teaches, even if we don't know what it means, even if we don't fully understand. But we agree well, how do we agree if we don't understand it? Because we're not the judge. We don't have to agree with what we understand. We agree with what God has told us because he is God and he is truth itself and he is the author of all truth. If we disagree, we negate God. We say we don't believe you. We're as smart as you. We have to judge you. No, 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 no. We are judged by God. We don't judge him. We don't judge the truths he gave us. We come under them and we obey them. Do we have the freedom to disobey? Yes. We have the freedom to go to hell. He's given us that freedom. You mean if I don't believe God, I go to hell? That's exactly what I mean. Our Lord said it. 
if you love me, you could pe- keep my commandments. Matthew chapter 7 talks about people who came to the wedding feast. They knocked at the door and they said, Lord, let us in, let us in. And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. And they said, what do you, what do you mean you never knew us? We did this and we did that and we did this and we did that. And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Because what they did, they did for themselves. They didn't do it for his glory. They didn't do it for him. If we pick and choose what we believe, we don't believe. We believe in ourselves. We believe in our own intellect. We believe in our own understanding. And we're finite, ridiculous creatures. We didn't even create the ant, the little insect. And yet, if an ant could speak and said, well... How do you get 8 and 8 is 16? How do you get that? I don't understand that. I don't believe it. Well, fine. We'd say, but you're an ant. You're an ant. You're an insect. You don't have our intellect. You don't judge what's right or wrong. You have to accept it. The ant says, no, I don't want to accept it. Well, that's your freedom. You see, and yet, it's funny that I chose the ant as an insect because God uses the ant as a model for us in, this, in, this, in the uh, Proverbs. He says that the ant is a mighty people, and they're very, very diligent, and we need to model after the ant. So, beloved, Lent is a good time for us to reform, to give up our recreation at night, to give up sports, to give up, we don't have to give that all up if they're not sinful things, but we give up the good to choose the better, and even to choose the best. And that is to sit with our family and read and explore the faith together. The Catechism Explained is on top of my list. And you can also uh, read the saints, books on the saints. Um, there's a, if you have children, there's a fantastic series of books. I think the author's last name is Wyandotte. I'm not, I'd have to double check it. But a fabulous uh, series of, I don't know how many books, 50, 20, I don't know, but books on the saints written for children. And you can read the life, not just paragraphs from Butler's Lives of Saints, but the whole life of these saints. And I tell you, adults, when you read these books, you will love them. It's not um, seldom that I'll pick up a, a children's book of stories and read it to the sisters because they're so beautiful and so beautifully written. There's Catholic stories for boys and girls. Um, Oh, it's one of my favorite authors, and I can't think of her name at the moment. Maybe I'll think of it during the break. But there's Catholic stories, no, stories for Catholic boys and girls. Um, And then more stories for Catholic boys and girls. Um, Two volumes. And they're small, and they're fabulous, fabulous stories. And they teach, uh, they're novels, I mean, they're not, they're made-up stories. And they're fantastic, and they teach morals, and they urge the heart of children, and even more so adults, to to learn the faith, uh, to live the faith, to grow in virtue. Truly, truly wonderful. So, dear mom and dad, make your resolution first what you will do to walk with God through 40 days of wilderness. Not only what you will fast from in food, because you also need to do that. It, it gives us control of our passions to give up what our favorite thing is. Um, do that uh, and let the children see you 
uh, be faithful. And if you fail, let them see you fail and say no. To fail is not to give up and start next Lent. To fail the second day in is to pick yourself up the afternoon of the second day or the third day. Let them see what it is to fail and not give up. Don't worry about that. The only true failure is not getting up again. The only true failure is not getting up. So um, go to prayer individually and think of what you'll give up this Lent. And then come together. Before Ash Wednesday, you have tonight and you have tomorrow night. Come together, dear ones, as a family and think of what you will give up for Lent. Everyone, you could be a two-year-old child, if they can understand uh, what it is to give up, don't forbid them. Don't say you're not included. If they don't understand, they don't have the reason, don't worry about it. But if there's a three-year-old or a four-year-old or who, who says, no, what, I want to be part, I want to, mommy, go ahead. Don't you dare uh, um, withhold that from them. And say, okay, sweetheart, what do you want to give up? But I want to give up dinner. Well, if you have three meals a day, uh, a growing boy, um, you, you could say to him, honey, that's a lot to give up. Uh, that's our big meal. Are you sure? And if he says yes, let him do it. And if you say to him, that's fine, sweetheart, but if you find you want to give up certain things during dinner or dessert during dinner, that's okay too. And if you give up dinner and you find it's just too hard on your body, then you can give up less. It's okay. Uh, so guide them, but don't stop them from sacrificing, no matter how young they are. Don't tell them what to sacrifice. It has to come from them. You can also decide as a family to give up dessert the whole of Lent, to give up dessert the entire uh, 40 days of Lent. You can decide that as a family. And you can collect the money that you would uh, have for dessert during Lent as a family and let each one contribute, even if it's a dime. Let each one contribute to that and give it to the poor. That would be wonderful. Don't just give up food, but put the money aside that you pay for that food and give it to the poor instead of to your body. It, it's so many things you can do, dear ones. So many things. So you have tonight, today, and tomorrow to decide. Don't wait until Wednesday. And, and go to Mass on Wednesday. It's not Mass uh, Wednesday. More people go to Mass on Wednesday for ashes than any other day of the year. Even non-Catholics go because they want ashes. Father Groeschel once told the story of a Jewish woman who came for ashes. And, and Father said to her, but, but uh, whatever her name is, Molly, you're Jewish. She said, I know, I figured it couldn't hurt. This is a true story, it's funny. But Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation. What you're obligated to is to fast and to abstain from meat, the same on Good Friday. To fast and to abstain, on every Friday of Lent, rather, to fast and abstain from meat every single Friday of, me, of uh, Lent, not just on Good Friday. Every Friday of Lent, you must abstain from meat. Here at the Daughters of Mary, we abstain from meat the whole of Lent. Um, it's from your heart, whatever God leads you to do, beloved. But don't go on as if Lent isn't with us. We'll be right back.
This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 20th. Today we celebrate Jacinta and Francisco Marto. Those of us of certain age can vividly recall the rich story of Fatima we learned about as children. That story begins in 1917, outside the town 100 miles or so north of Lisbon. It was a time of great turmoil in Portugal and in the rest of Europe as well. In May 1917, as they played and minded their sheep, the Blessed Mother appeared to Francisco and Jacinta Marto, nine and seven years old, respectively, and their cousin, Lucia de Santos, who was ten. Mary asked the children to return to the cave on the thirteenth day of each month for the next half year. At each visit, she asked them to learn to read and write and to pray the rosary for sinners, for world peace, and for the conversion of Russia. Within two years of the apparitions, Francisco was dead of influenza. Jacinta's death followed soon after. Their cousin Lucia survived to adulthood and became a Carmelite nun. She was still living in 2000 when Jacinta and Francisco were beatified by Pope John Paul II. Sister Lucia died in February 2005 at age 97. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Our family had been going through crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family. Um, this is our half hour together. Our lines are wide open, and um, you are welcome to call in with whatsoever on your heart. And if you're wondering in your own individual life or family circumstances how you can lead your family or yourself through this Lent, given your particular circumstances, call in and we'll put our hearts together and see if we can uh, come up with, with something that will help. Uh, the toll-free number, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Mother, my husband and I just visited an FSSP, that's the Fraternity of the Society of St. Peter, Latin Mass for the first time yesterday, and I loved the liturgy. as well as the community which had so many young couples like us. We have not found any religious conservative young couples near our age at our current parish. We are both 20, so it felt refreshing and gave me so much hope to see so many like-minded individuals, not to mention the beautiful traditional liturgy and proper distribution of communion. Unfortunately, My husband is hesitant to continue going to the FSSP parish on a regular basis 
as that would require him to abandon the Novus Ordo parish he grew up in and that is and that his entire family attends. I did not discuss it with him extensively, as I am afraid to approach it in the wrong way and push him away. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and push him away from the Latin Mass. However, I am not Catholic, and I would very soon like to reach out to this parish to hopefully join the church and receive the sacraments in the extraordinary form. Wow. What advice would you give me in regard to approaching this issue with him? Ultimately, as the head of our household, he should be the one to make the decision where we will attend, right? Right, dear one. She said, thank you so much for your advice. Well, now, if your husband grew up in that Novus Ordo parish where his family attends, I'm assuming your husband is Catholic and that you were married in the Catholic Church but you cannot receive the sacraments. And I would hope that if you are struck by the beauty and the reverence and whatever it is of the Latin Mass, and you want to go to that Mass and receive instruction from the priest to enter the Catholic Church, I can hardly imagine your husband fighting that or refusing that and not putting you away before his family. If your husband is listening to this program or can, I would say, young man, um, you have an opportunity of saving the soul of your wife and helping her into the Catholic Church. Um, And uh, she has found the beauty of a reverent liturgy. Uh, I suggest you do that. Our Lord says you are to leave father and mother and cling to your wife. Uh, you have the most desirable situation before you, that you have a woman, your wife, who wants not only to be Catholic, but who wants tradition, who wants the full measure of the church our Lord founded. To keep her from it for the sake of your family or because you want to be with them or not offend them is a very wrong priority and you will be a poor leader of your family as the head of the household. Yet, I don't know you or your particular circumstance. So, dear one, if your husband insists on going to the Novus Ordo, um, perhaps he will still let you take instruction and enter the church at the Latin parish. Um, And if not, perhaps you can go for instruction at the Latin parish and enter the church at the Novus Ordo. And the worst scenario is that you take instruction at the Novus Ordo Parish and enter there and trust God that he has given you the husband he has to insist on what God is allowing your journey to be. So don't be afraid to... uh, Perhaps you can let your husband listen to this podcast and maybe God will help him to make a decision based on what is heroic for him to do as the leader of his family and the head of his wife to do the most holy and good thing and lay down his life for his wife, Ephesians chapter 5, as Christ laid down his life for the church. But if all fails, 
follow him and trust that God knows your circumstances and let God lead your husband to lead you in time. Um, we have a call from Faye in Michigan. Hello, Faye. Hello, Mother Miriam. Thank you so much for your reading. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> okay. Thank so you. you. You've been talking about uh, purchasing good books and talking about Lent and, and what we can do during Lent as families, and that's wonderful. And I especially appreciate you mentioning uh, to purchase good books to go to your local Catholic bookstore. I, I used to work at one, and, and we need all the support we can get, so <laughs> thank you for of that. Of course. Uh, and again, let me I just interrupt you, Faye. Let me interrupt you just to say that um, often a Catholic bookstore might not have a particular book you want, uh, but still ask them if they would order it. And I don't know any store that wouldn't order it. And you can still give them the business and help them to put good books on their shelves. That's exactly right. And uh, our bookstore owner does that very frequently. So thank you for mentioning Excellent. that. That's exactly uh, for those who don't have access to a good Catholic bookstore, um, I have uh, a couple of ideas. And first, I'd like to say that in our family, we we don't buy anything from Amazon. Um, they they leave I'm with you. We I know. I know. That's so we, right. I know. I know. And they're part of this whole big reset situation. I I, I understand. Yeah. So as an alternative to that, and another thing, too, is I happen to be an author that the book happened to get on Amazon. And I can tell you from personal experience, they don't reward their authors financially with hardly anything. So that's another, another reason. Okay. If you want to uh, let me let me let me mention, too, that um, the Catechism Explained is published by the Mediatrix Press that is run by a very faithful Catholic man. So you can go to Mediatrix Press online and order it there as well. Perfect. That's great. Another uh, couple of ideas is uh, there is a website online called CatholicBooksDirect.com, and good. they will sell Catholic books that are faithful, good books, at a discount. So it's, it's a wonderful so, uh, Also, of course, EWTN sells, has a religious yep. catalog. They sell wonderful books. Um, right. And then if people are, are okay with used books, uh, you can get used books from thrift books or from yeah. Calabrese. I get right. a lot of Catholics from there, too. And these places will not support the culture of death like Amazon does. Right. And you can get them from Looms and Abe's books. Yeah, used books are very good. It's, you know, sometimes I get a lot of books from used sources, especially when they're out of print. Good call, Faye. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Mother. Okay. God bless you, sweetheart. We have an email from Kathy who says, Is it a correct term to say celebration of Mass? It is, Kathy. Um, I always think about what is happening on the altar with the unbloody sacrifice. And I asked a priest about it, and he said, yes, that is happening. But the resurrection is also symbolized at the same time. Is that correct? Thank you. It is correct, Kathy. Um, the Mass is the representation of uh, the sacrifice of Christ from his death right through the resurrection. And when the priest holds up the host, and, and um, let me just think, um, this, I mean, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, 
blessed are those called to his supper. When he holds up that host, he's holding up the crucified, risen body, body, blood, soul, and divinity, truly Christ, not symbolic. The, uh, the sacrificed, risen body of Christ. So the Mass takes us right from Calvary through to the resurrection. Because apart from the resurrection, there'd be no Mass. Apart from the resurrection, we would not receive Christ. He was simply dead. So yes, the Mass takes you right through, which is why we can call it a celebration. Good question, Kathy. Thank you. Um, we have an email from Melissa who says, Dear Mother, thank you for pointing out God's truth in these mad times we live in. I keep hearing the same recent sentiment regarding the traditional Latin Mass or the use of ad orientum that's facing east, and it really bothers me. Hmm. <clears throat> she writes, I hear clergy and lay people alike saying that traditionalists attached to the traditional Latin Mass are making an idol of the liturgy and thereby sinning against the first commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. How do we make an idol out of God? He is God. He is the one to be worshipped. She says, I fear this is the new argument against the traditional Latin Mass, and I'm not sure what to say. We can't make an idol of God. God is truly, truly there. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. He is brought down onto every Catholic altar through the words of consecration of the priest. We don't make an idol out of God. We make an idol out of anything we worship that is not God. And we go to the Mass, traditional Latin Mass or Novus Ordo, to worship God. She says, I find this particular insidious, particularly insidious because so many people I know, myself included, pursue and advocate for traditional liturgies because they are trying to put God first above all else. Very right. So to accuse us of idolatry in that effort is so hurtful. Forget being hurtful. Don't be hurt by it. It's wrong. If someone looks at that tree and says that tree is a, a potato or a a car, you're not going to be hurt by that. And I know that's a ridiculous comparison. But when someone is utterly wrong, it shouldn't hurt you. You should just know that they're ignorant. She says, certainly one can make an idol out of anything, but how can reverence for and worship of our Eucharistic Lord in the Mass be idolatry? It cannot be. The only one for whom that is idolatry which my friends accused me of when I was looking to the Catholic Church, they would see a wafer, what looks like a wafer, uh, being raised and people bowing before that wafer. And they said, Rosalind, my given name, and before I was Catholic, this is idolatry. Well, if the wafer were not God, had not become God at the consecration, they were right. We would be idolaters. But if it's truly Christ, we're worshiping the God of the universe. And so she says, am I wrong on this, Mother? No, you're not. What are your thoughts on this argument? Is there a line we need to draw to avoid any possibility of idolatry within the context of the traditional Latin Mass? There's no line to be drawn. God gave the Mass. It's the Mass of the ages. No, we don't draw any line whatsoever. 
we have drawn lines with the Novus Ordo and we have eliminated a lot of reverence in some very important things. Human beings have drawn lines. God has not. At the traditional Mass, you are at the Mass that our Lord gave. She says, thank you and may God continue to bless you in the work you do, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa, you tell those Novus Ordo people, what if they were accused of idolatry at the Novus Ordo Mass? What if? Would they say, that's right, we're worshiping a wafer? They'd say, no, there's no idolatry, we're worshiping God. And say, there's no difference. At the traditional Latin Mass, we're worshiping God, but we're worshiping God as he's been worshiped for um, many, many, many hundreds and hundreds of years longer than the Novus Ordo. And so both are valid, but um, the ancient form of the Mass is a lot more reverent and truer to what God has given the church because he knows how he wants to be worshipped. We'll be right back after the Mass, beloved. And call in with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483. Atheists claim theists are essentially no different than atheists because we reject gods too, such as Greek and Roman gods. But this is plain absurdity. What's our reason? First, it's an abuse of language. A theist believes in at least one God. An atheist doesn't believe in any God. They're mutually exclusive terms. To say a theist is an atheist to most gods is like saying a married man is a bachelor to most women. Second, it's bad reasoning. To say I'm an atheist because I reject some gods is like saying I'm an anarchist, one who rejects all forms of government because I reject communism and fascism, some forms of government. But that's silly. So the claim that atheists and theists are no different doesn't hold water. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who are the 10 most well-known preachers in America? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's the list. Copeland, Osteen, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, T.D. Jakes, Stephen Furtick, Andy Stanley, Robert Jeffers, Rick Warren, Alistair Begg, John MacArthur. Well, secondly, all these pastors say the same thing on Sunday morning, which is, turn with me in your Bible. Well, then how's the harmony regarding, say, eternal security, disagreement, present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Disagreement. Relationship of baptism to salvation. Disagreement. Church government. Disagreement. Life beginning at conception until natural death. Disagreement. And eschatology. Disagreement. So what's going on here? Well, if you are someone who says, all I need is the word of God, brother, because the Bible is going to give me everything I need to live out the Jesus life. Okay. Hope you've already ditched your favorite blogger, your favorite preacher, your favorite podcaster, and most of all, your religious Google searches. Well, speaking of Google searches, I do request one last Google search for you. Magisterium. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Uh, we are live. This is our last segment, dear ones, and we have 10 minutes, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-5-1-1-5-4-8-3. Um, 
1-800-111-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. And um, we have a, a call from Joan in California. Hello, Joan. Good morning, Mother. How are you? Good morning, dear. I'm great. How about yourself? Um, uh, well, doing well. I called mostly to ask for prayers for the repose of the soul of Bishop David G. O'Connell, who was the bishop in uh-huh. California. He is our bishop. Right. He is our regional bishop. And um, mm. I. so my concern is um, to ask for prayers for him, to ask for prayers for the community who is grieving um, the loss of this great bishop who is a very holy man in many people's estimation and to ask for prayers for the church and for the people or persons responsible because how could anyone kill a bishop? He was shot in his bed and the local police say they're calling it a homicide. Yes. Yeah, he was shot yesterday um, and, and killed by that shot. Uh, tragic, utterly tragic. I didn't know he was shot in his bed. Um, I didn't know what else they found out. Yesterday, there was not a lot of information on him, but Joan, thanks for calling in. Um, we we do ask for prayers for him, for his soul, and uh, for those who, as you, as you rightly ask, committed the crime, and for all those who are suffering the loss of their regional bishop. Uh, he's been in California and many 40s plus years, I think. Yes. And he was very close okay. to the people. So he was a bishop that mm-hmm. came to the parish and said mass and very involved with the people. And, um, you know, he was, he was just a wonderful person. And the fact that someone would just shoot him and it might, might not have been in his bed. That might be fake news. I don't know. You're right. I maybe misspoke there, but he was shot in his home and he did die. And um, I heard on the news, the news said they're um, responding to it as a homicide. And it's um, rather unfathomable to think that someone would kill a bishop. But it reminds me of um, Oscar Romero. So we'll see oh, what that's happens. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember the film I saw on Oscar, Oscar, on Oscar Romero. Do you remember the title of that? It's a good movie for people to see. It's a good film on his life. But in any case, you're right, Joan. God bless you, and thanks for your call on that. We need to pray for his soul and the souls of those who committed that crime. God bless you, Joan. We have an email from Maria, surely. We have an email from Maria who says, Hello, Mother. Thank you so much for all the guidance you give us through your program. You're welcome, Maria. I thank God for helping us. She says, I started listening to your show when you were at Immaculate Heart Radio, followed you to Relevant Radio, and I was really happy when I found you at the Station of the Cross. I was happy when I found me at the Station of the Cross, too. Your program has been very influential in helping me to learn more and grow in my Catholic faith. Well, blessed be God for that, Maria. Thanks to your encouraging words, I'm now attending Latin Mass on Sundays and a Reverend Novus Auto Mass on weekdays. I'm also going to a monthly confession, and I did my first general confession two months ago. That's wonderful. Wonderful. In fact, it'd be a very good way for 
a number of people to begin Lent by doing a general confession. She says, I'm writing to you because I'm very concerned about the salvation of my stepfather's soul. He has stage four colon cancer that has spread to his lungs and one of his kidneys. He is undergoing chemotherapy, but he says that the side effects from the chemo are too much for him and he is depressed and irritable. I suspect he also suffers from undiagnosed bipolar disorder because even before the cancer diagnosis, he experienced wild mood swings. The cancer has only worsened his mood swings. He always vents his anger toward my mom, but it is all apologies after his episodes pass. A few days ago, he told me he is thinking of asking his doctors if he can stop the chemo treatments and just let the cancer run its course. I'm worried this may be sinful because he would be giving up fighting for his life. I don't think that, um, Maria. I don't, I don't think... Um, I, I mean, still, you haven't um, finished the email here yet. I don't think it's sinful... Uh, for someone to take off life support and stop giving someone food and water, that would be sinful, tantamount to murder. But to stop chemo treatments when he has stage four colon cancer, and he's in such bad shape, he's in the process of dying, uh, many people have refused uh, chemo treatments and have simply uh, gone on a healthy diet and it has either cured them or prolonged their life or at least not uh, shortened it. So I don't think it's sinful. Uh, she says, what do you think, Mother? Is he in danger of committing mortal sin? I don't think so. I don't want him to go through all this suffering only to lose his soul at the very end. I am praying for healing for him, but am prepared to accept whatever God's holy will is for him. Thank you, Mother, for answering my letter. May God bless you always. Sincerely, Maria in California. Um, the cancer has only worsened his mood swings. Um, and he's undergoing chemotherapy, but says the side effects from the chemo are too much for him. And he's depressed and irritable. I tell you, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with his going take going off chemo um, you're not stopping food and water in fact do some research and uh, give him um, he's he's a very serious situation from cancer he is in the process of dying God is able to heal, heal him for sure not that God will I would find out a, a saint who needs uh, to be canonized uh, uh, and um, who needs a miracle, Bishop Fulton Sheen, uh, others, and ask them to uh, that God would heal him through their prayers. Um, and um, um, I, I'm, there's so many things you can do, but feed him what is um, what is good and healthy. Many, many cancer diets you could look up online, books in the health food store. Um, and I think getting him off the chemo is a good idea. Um, and if he is on his way to death and God won't heal him, uh, if he's off chemo, um, he, he will have a, a better 
uh, last year of life or a few months of life. So um, I don't think that's wrong. I don't think it's evil. Uh, see if it will help him to be less iterable, to, to come, draw nearer to God, to offer his sufferings for God, uh, to be closer to family during this time. Um, I would take him off the chemo myself, not against his will. But um, she says, if you can keep my stepdad in your prayers, I'd really appreciate it. His name is Guillermo. I would, um, Guillermo, I would ask everyone to pray for Guillermo, and we will pray for him and all those of your families who are suffering from serious, serious illness. Um, that's the end of our program for today, beloved. Um, uh, and um, we will be with you, God willing, tomorrow. Um, don't fail to Come together with your family and at least a husband and wife tonight to make a plan for Lent so you're not just giving up chocolate and complaining. Um, truly, uh, stay away from and draw closer to Christ. He is worthy of our very lives. He is worthy of our all. We have nothing that we have not received from him. God bless you and speak with you tomorrow. <laughs>